uh, in your bulletins to our text. Our text this morning is 1 Peter 3, 8-17. You can turn in your Bibles. There's all there in your bulletin printed for you. Um, the, uh, the title of this sermon is A Blessed Life. And before we read, I just what what's your just think about what what is what does that look like to you? What does a blessed life look like? A life filled with blessing. Um, you know, your your mind might go to some material things. You know, things you've always wanted, things you'd like to have. Maybe a new tractor. Uh, some of you in here like tractors. Uh, maybe new clothes. Maybe a new car. Uh, maybe a, a healthier body. Um, you know, if we're honest when we think about blessing and a blessed life, we, well, if it's that we're Americans, or we're Westerners, we think about stuff, we think about health, we think about um, maybe a, a, uh, a bank account that's very full. Maybe you thought about family, you thought about just the joy, and that's, that's good, right? You know, the children and, and parents and siblings that love you, and that's blessed, blessing. And so, so many, so many things, so many ways that God, good things God gives, but um, I want you to kind of reorient your minds now. We're going to read this text, and those things really are blessings. Though God does provide the, the things we need, God really does give us the people in our lives. This is a different type of a blessing that He's talking about. A different type of blessed life. It's a, a blessed life that calls us to bless others. And to bless even when we're suffering. That's what the theme is of, of this text this morning. And so with that said, let's, uh, let's go to God again and ask Him to help us, reorient us, to help us think about this life of blessing He calls us to and, and, uh, help us help, and for Him to help us understand His Word uh, this morning. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank You so much for um, this book, this book that's so applicable, so brutally honest in ways, but yet glorious and wonderful, for it reorients us and turns our attention to your goodness, your grace, your love, your kindness, your mercy that permeates all things, that is the... Um, uh, that you, Lord God, are in your power to save is the most powerful power that is. That nothing else is greater than you. And though it's honest, this, this book, this letter from Peter is honest about the struggles and the hurts and the hard things we're called to, it reminds us that you go before us. You empower us, and we are secure in you. So, Lord, help us to hear the hard things we need to hear, but to be encouraged that 
what you require, Lord, our Lord and God, you provide. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter 3, beginning verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good, good conduct, good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Uh, three, three points I want us to see, three things this, this text is going to teach us. First, that um, there is, we are to be a blessing by our character. Second, that there is to be in our life a blessing that's to the contrary. And finally, that we're blessing as Christians because we are in Christ. There's blessing, blessing others by our character, blessing to the contrary, and then blessing because we are in Christ. Um, first thing is you see this, this, this summary statement. This is nothing new uh, that we've read. We've been reading these examples of what, what it looks like to be Christ-like in life. And we've seen in, in, the, in chapter 2 this submission to authority, submission to, to governing authority, submission to even your masters, those who are, have, uh, that your employers or your masters in a society that had indentured servitude. And then, and then there was this last week, this, this more intimate um, picture of submission and serving uh, wives to husbands. And then husbands honoring wives. And this, this was even extended to wives of unbelieving husbands, especially to them. He's pointing that out, that we, we submit and we, and we love even when we're not honored or loved in return. And so now he's, he's summarizing these things in verse 8. Finally, all of you, if, I, if he left anyone out, he left out, you know, all of you, have this mind about you. Have this, be of this character. And he gives five characteristics. 
five things. And he says in, 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 chapter, in, in, in verse 8, Have unity of mind, then sympathy, and then brotherly love, a tender heart, and be humble-minded. The first of these things is unity of mind or being like-minded. Some of your translations may say that. Another, another, some of your translations might even say living in harmony. And for our musicians in the room, I think that's probably your favorite. That's, that's my favorite way of thinking about this, living in harmony. And, you know, I, I realize that I'm not a musician. The only thing I play really is the radio. And for the young people, that's the thing we used to listen to. And so it's, but um, I like to, you know, that, that's what I like. But I realize that my, my taste in music always go toward bands or groups that just have great harmony, harmonization. I, I like a band called Dawes, and there's these two brothers, and I like the Avett brothers. And for some reason, brothers, they, they, they harmonize well together, and it sounds beautiful. I love that. So that's, you know, if you want to buy me some music, there you go. Anyway, but, uh, but I love that. I love, you know, it's, it, you know but harmony isn't necessarily the, the same, same singing the same note. And again, I'm not a musician, so I'm going to mess this up. I have a very elementary concept of music, so just bear with me, musicians. But it's, it's, it's notes that go together. That, that, that complement. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, again, when it says like-mindedness, it doesn't mean that you all have to have the same skills, the same thoughts. Again, the church is described as, you know, one body with many members and different, diff, being different, different gifts. Um, we're different, we're diverse, but yet we're united. And this mindedness is not just that we vote the same or, or like the same teams, and that's so good, right? Um, it doesn't mean that. It means that we are like we're uni- unified in our thinking about one thing, and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, in particular about our thinking about the gospel, and our thinking about the, 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 the truth of Jesus Christ, and that He is our our ultimate, and He is our firm foundation, as we've just sung, that that, 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 that unifies us. That he is not, He's not just the example for how we're to live. He is the foundation of life. He is our salvation. And we're unified in that thinking. Our one, we have oneness of understanding of the gospel of the cross. And that, and that also extends to how our attitude. And, I, and, and the rest of these things kind of fill that out. You know, really, you could, the other four of these things really kind of just, are, you know, an, an expansion, if you will, of this first idea of being like-minded, that we all have the mind of Christ. And so therefore, the second thing we read is that we're to be, have sympathy, to be sympathetic. What does that, what does that mean? Is that we can, we, we, when we see one another, when we do life together, we are constantly thinking about putting ourselves in one another's shoes. We're, what this must feel like for you, this and, 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 it, and it can be good and bad. You know, the scriptures say that, you know, um, um, we are to, this is Romans twelve fifteen. rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. We, we, we're not just going, seeing people coming in and out of our lives, but we actually recognize one another as, as divine, like as creations of the divine, as, as image bearers, and, 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 and recognize that, that, we're doing life together. And that what affects you, especially in the, in the body of Christ, affects me. And I'm, I'm going to care about your needs and care about 
and, and be joyful when you're joyful and, and weep when you weep. I'm, I, I'm, I care about your, your, your well-being. Again, that is the mind of Christ, isn't it? Hebrews 4.15, Jesus is the high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Jesus sympathizes with us. And that's, that's, that, that, that can't be denied because of the incarnation, right? God so sympathizes that He came to become one of us. He's, he was, walks with us. He is God with us. And He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. And He cares He's not just on the throne, high and lifted up above it all, but He's our intercessor. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He cares about my struggles and your struggles. Therefore, we are to care about one another and our struggles. That's connected with this third characteristic, brotherly love, a family love that we are to see and and think of one another as brothers and sisters. Some of the young the kids here are going, well, all I do is fight with my brother and sister. I don't know what that... Should I just fight with everybody at church? No. But you may one day. <laughs> You're going to. There's going to, be, it's, it's, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be times when I let you down, when the person next to you lets you down. All the wives are looking at their husbands. No, they're not. But, but, but you, you're going to struggle. But again, there's this, there's, we're going to love each other through our hurts, through our, through our failures, through our uh, you know, adversity. We're going to, we think about that. We, we, we think about one of those as, as, as a being part of this family. Not just a love, but a family love. And again, it goes back to the, to the mind of Christ. Jesus and thinks of us. He's not ashamed and to call us his brothers and sisters. Think about that. Think about do you have a relative that you're kind of don't like talking about? Has anyone ever done, you know, somebody was telling me they did the, you know, the genealogy study and they found out things they didn't want to know. You ever done that? Some of you are like, I don't want to know past I don't want to know because I know it's bad. I don't want to know who I'm related to. They probably did, you know, something awful. I'm ashamed of that. Jesus knows all of our stuff. <laughs> Jesus, not just, not just who you're related to, but your deepest, darkest, your biggest sins, your, your besetting sins. Jesus, Jesus knows them all and He's going, I love you. I'm not ashamed of you. You're my family. We're to show that same love. Fourthly, a, a tender heart. Other translations say compassion. Compassion. Jesus, again, that just this is this is the heart of Jesus. Because he looked out, many times he looked out at the crowds he was preached to and had compassion for them. And that compassion moved him to do what? To preach the gospel, to feed them, to provide what was needed, to give them time to, 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 to go without sleep, to go without food himself, to, to preach and to, to make the good news known, uh, to, to provide what they needed before they left. He, he has a, he, he's a self, selfless, selfless giving, desiring to help and serve. That's the way we're called to be as Christians. That's what I blessing a blessed life looks like a life of compassion again jesus yes he had compassion for the crowds but also he's in his parables there's always these examples the the compassion of the heavenly father is shown in the story of the prodigal son isn't it 
the son who didn't want anything to do with his father and the father gave him his inheritance but when he comes back with nothing and having rejected his father and squandered his inheritance did everything wrong the father runs out to meet him and embraces him and shows him love and, and, and mercy and celebrates him the story of the good Samaritan again a, a parable that was preached by Jesus to, to really strike not at not to make a point about Samaritans, but really he was preaching and, and, and making and trying to convict through his word that the, the, the Jews, the Pharisees, the law keepers. You're, you're supposed to give and, and help. And an example of the man who gave his time and his money to someone who he knew hated him. We'll come to that in a minute. And finally, humble-minded or lowly-mindedness. And again, I'm going to say this. You've heard it many times. If you haven't, this is the first time, great. But if you've heard it many times, it, it bears repeating. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of your, I'm so bad, I'm so awful, I'm just all I am. Yes, you, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, but that's not all you are. It's not belittling yourself. It's, it's, it's what happens, it's, the, it's the, what comes, as Keller says, this beautiful reality of self-forgetfulness that comes by knowing you are loved and cared for completely. That your needs and your, your soul is kept by God, your, your needs are provided for by God, your soul is kept by God, and therefore I, can, I don't have to think about me anymore. And I can be gentle, I can be, I can be lowly in mind, humble in mind. Again, Jesus describes himself as gentle and lowly in spirit, as Matthew 11. Paul describes, you know, just this, the, the traits of Jesus and, 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 his, and, and, and expounds on his humility in Philippians 2, that he humbled himself. Yes, becoming one of us, but humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. That, that, a, uh, that we are, live a life of blessing as we exhibit this character, this, exhibit these characteristics, the characteristics of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly, family love, tender-hearted, and humble in mind. As you hear that, if I just stop there, would you? How do you feel about that? Is that does that characterize your life? What I'm not trying to do is just leave you beat up. There is there is command here. There's an imperative here. But I want you to be reminded that as I as I know you, and I've I, I've I've talked to every person in here. I, I know you, and I know some of you better than others, and you know me, but. I have I see these things in your life. I don't. I do. I do. I see. I see Christ at work in your life. I see these characteristics being formed. I see these things more in my own children. In my and I've seen my. I've seen you know the person I've seen grow the most is my spouse because she's growing in that. I'm growing in these things. You're growing in these things. We're. Are you? Do you do it perfectly? Are you always humble? Are you always compassionate? No, but again, where, where you fail, Jesus, Jesus succeeds. So 
So you're, you're being called to do something that you're going, I, if you're sitting here going, I can't do that. I can't do that in my own strength. Then good, good, you get it. That's good. If, you're, if you heard that list and go, I'm, I've got it, then that's bad. <laughs> but if you heard it and going, I, oh, if you're convicted, good. That's, that's the Spirit convicting you. If you, if you but if you also can see, I, I think I've grown in that. Now, good, that's, that's the Spirit encouraging you. These are things that characterize a life of blessing. Again, we think about blessing as something, a life, a blessed life is us getting stuff, but this reorients us. And, Paul, and Peter's saying a blessed life is one about blessing others. Dem, being a blessing in other people's lives through this Christ like character. The second thing I want us to see is that he's calling us to show blessing that seems that's to the contrary. <laughs> and it's a little bit, you know, the, the, those who are contrary to us, those who are against us, those who are our enemies. Um, and again, this is not the first time we've seen this in the scriptures. It's not the first time we've seen this in First Peter, but. We are to bless even those who do not reciprocate. Look at verse 9. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Um, some of you are into or have delved into uh, this personality uh, thing. There's a enneagram. It's 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 not it's not uh, it's not a perfect measure or perfect. Uh, it's a, it's a way of kind of personality traits, figuring you know helping you be self aware. You know, there's Myers Briggs. There's other things you can do. There's the Right Path profile we did a while back with some of our officers in the church and. But but Enneagram, this let me tell you my type. I'm a I'm a six wing five. If you don't know what that means, uh, that's okay. But uh, there's positive attributes and negative, and I'm called a loyalist. That's that's kind of what it is. And basically, it, it means that I will I will be very loyal to you, and I will I will I will stand by you until you cross me or somebody that I love. And then in loyalty, I'm going. You're you're out. Okay, and I read that about myself after doing the test. And I'm going, that's pretty true. You know, I think back to my life, my own flesh, my own sinfulness. Yeah, I'm, I'm, stand by people, but uh, don't cross me. <laughs> don't don't hurt somebody that loves me that I love. I'm telling you this. It's, this is this command is contrary to all of us, but apparently, especially me and the the, the six wing fives. Okay, because this is just really goes against the grain. Um, we're to we're to bless people that seek out or want ill for us. 
Um, and at first read, we read this, verse 9, it, it almost sounds a little bit like you need to do this so that you will be blessed. It, it, you could, I mean, at first read, it almost seems like uh, that, um, is, this, is this like a, a, a salvation, or ble- uh, earning blessings through good works? Is that what this is saying? Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. But again, I don't, that can't be what it is because again, we've seen grace and mercy and grace and mercy and uh, all, throughout all these pages of First Peter that we've, that we've talk, looked at thus far. So what can it mean? But what it means is this, is that the God who calls us, and this is from Edmund uh, uh, Clowney again, God who calls us to inherit His blessing calls us to follow the path of peace that leads to blessing. You know, that's how we read the Proverbs. Proverbs aren't the means. If you, if you keep these, these, all these things, these wise sayings, and you live that life, it's not saying that, you know, it's one-to-one. If you do the right, then God, that, that's going to make God love you. But because God loves you, because He has paid for you, because he has, he has done the work of salvation, therefore, He's called you to also follow in this way and lead, lead a life of wisdom. We don't have to be like Christ to be saved by Christ, but because we're saved by Christ, we are empowered to be like Christ. Does that make sense? And our knowledge of this blessing that we receive from God enables us to bless others, even our enemies. And that's why he's quoting, he quotes, um, this is Psalm 34 he's quoting in verses 10 through 12. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. God has made this world. He goes, I want you to, if you want to uh, have a life that is, that is, that, that you can enjoy and that, and that you want to see good days, then, then, you do that not by just getting the stuff you want or getting back at people or you know doing exactly what comes to mind and following your heart. It's, it's following God's ways. It's being careful with your speech. It's being careful in how you talk to other people. It's not giving in to the evil desires of your hearts, but it's seeking peace and pursuing peace with God and with others. Why? For the, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayer. Again, it's, it's not, He's going to see you, and if you do wrong, He's going to get you. It's, He's looking upon you, again, with that idea, the idea of, of Aaron's blessing, Aaron's benediction. May the God of peace, but may the God, God who's he's got His countenance upon you, may he, His gaze be upon you, a loving gaze, a loving countenance. He sees you, He knows you, He's for you. That's the idea. Because it says that he's, he, he, he's, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to your prayers. But his face of the Lord is against those who do evil. It's different. His face is, it's, he's, he's, he is, his righteous anger against those who are his enemies and the enemies of his people. Those who do evil. So we're called to to bless 
Not to earn blessing, not to earn God's favor, but because we have it. And because the face of God is upon us and He's open to our prayers. Because we live in a state of blessing. Because we live in a state of God's love and help. And, 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 we, and we know it and we are aware of it. Therefore, we are called to, therefore, to bless others. To not live like those who's, who, are, who do evil. To not live as those who are, who, whose God's face is against. But to live a life that's been, that's been laid out by God in His Scriptures. To be laid out by His, by His Word and His law. That's been lived out by Christ. It says we will have good days. Look at verse 15. I think one of the, 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 the main heresies of Christianity in our country is this health and wealth gospel. This idea that if you do right and you believe right and you love well enough and believe well enough and think well enough and do everything well enough that Ah, blessings will flow, blessings and material blessings and, and relational blessings and all this. And, and, and I think it's verses like this, right out of context, that get us there. Look at verse 15. Um, sorry, verse 13. Who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? You can take that out of context and go, well, as long as I'm all about the good and all about the gospel and all about God, then nothing will ever harm me. But you have to take it out of context to understand it that way, don't you? You have to completely remove it from everything that Peter's been saying because the very next sentence is what? But even if you should suffer... For righteousness sake, even if you suffer for doing good, for doing what is just. So it can't mean, it can't mean that if you do everything right and believe everything right, then there's no harm that will come to you. What does it mean then? Well, we have to redefine what good days means. We have to redefine that. Good days, according to Psalm 34, according to this passage, doesn't mean that harm or suffering or persecution won't touch the Christian. What it means is we have an, an enduring hope and a constant source of joy and peace that's beyond the circumstances. That's what it means. That's what it means. If you go to Acts 16, verse 25, and you see Paul and Silas in prison. Is that a good day? Is it a bad day? How do they respond to that? They're, they're singing hymns of joy. They're singing the psalms while they're in chains. Good day. (laughs) 
when Paul is, and all these, I mean, throughout Scripture, throughout the Scriptures of persecution and Paul being stoned and arrested and, 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 and in prison as he's writing these letters. Yet in the midst of it, he, he knows that God loves him. And in, in the midst of being in prison, what's happening, his guards are being converted. <laughs> He's able to thank God for the opportunity to do ministry where? In a Roman prison. My tendency is to define a good day by no inconveniences, all my boxes being checked, everyone being pleased with me, and me being pleased with everyone around me. You're all laughing. I'm hoping it's not just because you're laughing at me, but you're laughing with me, because that's how you think too. But we'll, y'all can tell me later. Anyway, but a good life, a blessed life, isn't, that's not what this means. That's not what this is saying. But it's a life where our security, our, our joy, our peace is firmly rooted in the gospel. Jesus says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And you see that in Jesus himself. Jesus, he's not, he doesn't just give lip service to these things. He, he lays down his life for us. He does it because it's, it, it's, it's the will of his Father. It's, he takes joy in doing the will of his Father. He said, it's my food to do the will of my Father. It's, my, it's his chief joy. He does it because he loves us. And so the good... The good life of Jesus is marked by not just a little suffering, but ultimate suffering. And we see that, we see in this that suffering is not the opposite of blessing. Get this, because the life of Jesus and what this text is telling us, that suffering isn't the opposite of blessing. This life of blessing, a life that, a good life as it says in this Psalm 34 will have suffering, will have persecution, will have hard days. We will face enemies. But again, how do you you think that way? How do you endure? How do you keep blessing those who revile and those who want want, want ill for you? How do you do that? How How do you see... Goodness, when all that around you in your circumstances is, is hard. It's our third point, and that's the answer. Is that there's blessing because we are in Christ. Blessing because we are in Christ. 16, verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. There are legitimate dangers. There are legitimate enemies. Who, who, who are our enemies? Think about that. You think about 
this text, you're thinking about Peter's original audience, their own, you know, if you were a converted Jew, you were, you're, the Jews were, were contrary and against you. If you were a Gentile, you're, you're casting off the religion of your whatever city, whatever pagan temple was, was kind of the place to go. You're, eventually these people that read this would be enemies of the state, enemies of the Roman Empire, the, and persecution is, is about to crank up here. In the generation who read this, they're going to, you know, be arrested and put to death for, for loving Jesus, trying to follow Him. Do you, do you have that kind of opposition? Is there, does that still exist today? Well, it does for many Christians. And I don't, I don't say this to upset you. I don't say this to... I want you to go home just cowering and, and, and being, being afraid. But... But the, the threats are real. The threats are real to Christians in, in, in China and Christians in, in um, Arab countries that are primarily Muslim. How are we to... It says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. Verse 14. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. How do we do that? By just living in delusion, acting like this, those, those dangers, those enemies aren't there, that there's not really a devil, or there's not really uh, demons, or there's not really enemies of the church. I think we do that as Americans because we really don't face real, like, that kind of intense persecution. I think that's how I tend to deal with it. I just go, well, that's not really my reality as much. I live in the Bible Belt. I live in, wherever, there's a church on every corner. I don't really feel that kind of opposition. But one commentator said, this passage, even though we live where we live, we all need to hear it. Because we all need to be prepared for it. It's very sobering. Now, we, we don't endure the persecution like the Christians in China or Christians in parts of the world where there's great hostility. We don't have that, but we should still be prepared. But how do you, how do you live with no fear of that? Again, our answer is wrong. We just kind of try not to think about it. We don't have to think about it. But, but how, what, if you, what if it's really there? What if you're facing real persecution for, for loving the Lord Jesus Christ? How, how do you do that? How do you do that? And the answer is in verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. You're like, how is that an answer? How is that an answer? Honor Christ. What is that? That's the answer. Well, Grant, I, I came to church and I sang, the, I sang the songs and I prayed the prayers and I'm still afraid. Still afraid. I'm still, I still feel the weight of, of resistance of the world and the fear of, of, of man. I still have that. Well, I'm not just saying sing the songs, pray the prayers. I'm saying when I say honor Christ, what do we mean by that? It's... Honoring Him is not just some kind of formal 
that maybe that word gets us, you know, honor him. Think of him as holy. It seems maybe too formal or just kind of too religious. But what it, what it means is dwelling upon and, and, and constantly coming back to and, and, and reveling in the deep, deep love of Jesus for you. It means that you, you're not just going, God is so big and so powerful, but that He shows this power and His might chiefly in, his, in the cross. And that He had the power to lay down His life and the power to pick it back, take it back up again. That He, that he took all of the guilt of all the sin of all His people on Himself. He became sin all the sins so that we might not know sin anymore. That he, he did that. He, he, he was able to carry that load and, and take that burden and, and not just keep it, but, but to do away with it. He absorbed the, the wrath of, of God for every sin that ever has been committed or will be committed. And, he, and now it's done. That he... It says he's mindful of his people, that he knows not just what's going on with us generally, but every thought, every aspect. He, not, not a hair can drop from our heads without the will of our God in heaven. That, that, that's his power, that's his might, that's his attention, that's, the, that's the, the power of his compassion and sympathy and love for you and for me. And that's what it means to honor him, to see that he's holy, not just that he's separate and different from us, but that he's all that's true, and that he's totally and completely his about loving and saving and keeping you and me. That's what it means to honor Christ. That's what it means. It means to exchange the, the fear of others, the fear of other of the enemies that we face, the fear of the, those who revile and those who curse. We exchange it instead for the fear of the Lord. And again, again, that's not a, that's not a oh, he's going to get me fear. Oh, I saw that fear. It's, a, it's an honor. It's, a, it's an, being in awe of His glory and grace. It means that to honor Christ is, to, is that He, above all other things, captures our minds and our hearts, our thoughts. When he says in verse 13, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? He's really just saying what Paul says in Romans 8.31, If God is for us, who can be against us? That's what he's getting at. So to take that, that verse, what I'm telling you, what he's saying is the way to combat fear is to keep going back to the fact that God is for us. Who is this God? And how is He for us? That's, that's how we honor Him. That's how we exchange fear of others for fear of God. Is that He is the one who chiefly captures our minds and our hearts. We're overwhelmed with His glory and grace and His love. The power to save. That's overwhelming to us. And we keep coming back to that again and again and again. And that's how Peter... can 
go into the world, go into a hostile world, knowing that he will be martyred, knowing that he will die, knowing that he will die for for preaching the gospel and and yet still do it. That he he doesn't... again, Again, think about who that's writing this. This is the guy... And when it seemed easy, this is the guy who, when the people, when the guys came to arrest Jesus, stood in the gap and cut a guy's ear off. <laughs> He's really not really good at that, you know. He, he, I think he was trying to kill the guy, but he took his ear off. You're gonna, you're gonna hurt me. You're gonna hurt. You're gonna hurt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect. And again, Jesus didn't need protecting, right? But then when it was really on the line and it could mean his life, he, and he denied Jesus. That happened in the, that's happened in the same 24-hour period. Do you, think, you realize that? I'll be the... I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him. I don't know him. Here's a man who sought to return evil for evil. And then, the same day, out of fear, denied Christ three times. Paul, I mean, Peter here has been transformed by, through the Spirit, through a life of being sanctified, he's realized, no, no, no. God is honored, Jesus is honored, when I don't fear the opposition, when I don't live in fear and cower and try to avoid hurts. He's not honored when I return evil for evil. He's honored when I go in the confidence and the peace and the joy of Jesus and I make the good news known. When I, and he does that through loving people, showing grace and mercy, being compassionate and, and sympathetic, not just to the people in the church, but outsiders, to unbelievers. And he can face those fears. He can, he can face the opposition and not be afraid because he's secure in Christ. He's secure in Him. And, and look, when that happens, when, when we get into that, when we can endure suffering, endure even opposition from those who persecute us and we can with gentleness gentleness and meekness give account of the hope that's within us even in the midst of the suffering in the midst of the hardship that is when our witness becomes the most potent it's when we're suffering when we're facing hard things in the, in, the, in the power of Christ, we are comforted in Him and we, we know we're protected by Him. We know we're secure in Him and we can handle those, we can move in those areas knowing that we're okay. Then we can give an account of that hope that's within us. And that's when the enemies, the enemies of God, the enemies of the, of the, of the cross, it's when they are we see them turning to faith in Jesus Christ. That's, that's how we fight the good fight. That's how we stand up in a broken world. Not by cursing and reviling, not by standing our ground, but by trusting in God, even when it's hard, even when, things, when, when, when there's harm and there's enemies 
that we're facing, we, in the face of cursing and opposition, we honor Christ. We let His gospel permeate our thoughts and our minds, our hearts, and then we can demonstrate and can live this, this, a character that's like Christ. And that's when people are, are won over. That's when people see. That's when people realize that what we believe is really, really good. It's really true. It's not just lip service. So my prayer for you and for me is, is that we would live a blessed life and, and, and continue to live a blessed life, a blessed life, the blessing of being in Christ. And in His power to be able to endure suffering for righteousness' sake and the ability to look to Him and make known the, our hope, make known our reason for hope to an unbelieving world. Um, God's called us to do it and He's empowered us to do it because He has blessed us and He'll keep on blessing. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this, your word. and Lord, um, convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us um, where we need to be encouraged. Lord, you, um, we, we pray that you would more and more capture our hearts and our minds, that, that, that we would combat fear of man and fear of suffering and fear of, of what's to come tomorrow by continuing going back to, and being reminded of you and, and of your love and of your cross. Lord, I pray that our, the sacrament, the Lord's Supper we're about to take would do that, would just remind us of just your love, your grace, the, the sufficiency of your sacrifice for us and of the promise of your return and that we are secure in the in-between. We are secure right now. Um, so in that security, help us to love as you've called us to love and to bear witness with gentleness um, and compassion to even our enemies, to even your enemies. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.